0: This reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer rough, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in the fact that you are doing.
1: Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you again. Let's pray as we come to God's word, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth and its power. We pray now that by the power of the Spirit we might encounter Christ and be made more like him. In whose name we pray. Amen. I became a Christian as a very young child. As brought up in a Christian family, Jesus was a reality in our family. So I committed my life to Christ when I was very young. Then, when I was about seven, I began to have anxieties. Was I really saved from hell? And night after night, when I went to bed, I would pray that God would save me. I had no confidence that I had been heard, so I just kept on asking, until I I realised Eventually, God had heard my prayer. I was saved from hell, for heaven, for a relationship with God. The Thessalonian Christians are in a similar situation. They're uncertain that they've been saved from God's wrath, and the Apostle Paul has to reassure them, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul loves the Thessalonian church. He always thanks God for them in chapter 1. He longs to see them, but he needs to help them with the problems they face. Last week we saw their anxiety over people who have died before the return of Christ. And Paul needs to say to them all that those who have died will not be disadvantaged at the return of Christ. They are to encourage one another with the hope that those who are still alive and those who have already died will all be together with the Lord when Christ returns. Now today, Paul deals with the issue of God's judgment. Verse 3 while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. However, verse 9, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul has two things to say. What we don't need to know and what we do need to know. Firstly, then, What we don't need to know, verse 1, we don't need to know about times and dates, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. We don't need to speculate about the time or the date when Jesus will come back. Some people love to speculate regarding the return of Christ. This is a mug's game. Many people have made fools of themselves for predicting the time when Christ will return. The Jehovah's Witnesses have falsely predicted the return of Christ 20 times since the 19th century. For example, in 1969 young Jehovah's Witnesses were told not to bother with tertiary education because the end of the world was imminent. In 1989, the Watchtower asserted that Christian missionary work began in the 1st century would be completed in our 20th century. When republished in bound volumes, the phrase in our 20th century was replaced with a less specific, in our day. The Apostle Paul is much less specific about times and dates We do not need to write to you. Verse 2. We just need to know Jesus will come back suddenly, like a thief in the night. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come, like a thief in the night. Burglars don't make appointments before they call to rob you. They come suddenly, when you don't expect them. It will be the same when Christ returns. There's a song that says, I could talk for hours, but you wouldn't hear a word. Your own opinions make you blind. There will come a morning when the sand has all run out. There will be no time to change your mind. Like a thief in the night, he will come. There will be nowhere left you can run. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. He will come in glory, a rider in the sky. The lion and the lamb rest side by side. Children of the kingdom, he will gather to himself. Children of the darkness, he will leave behind. Like a thief in the night, he will come. There will be nowhere left you can run. Verse 3 While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So the return of Jesus will be sudden and unavoidable. We don't need to know the time or the date, we just need to know that it is certain to happen. In fact, if people are being specific about when Christ will return, we can be certain that they are wrong. It's when people are saying peace and safety that Christ will return. So we don't need to know about times and dates. Secondly then, what we do need to know. Verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So the day of the Lord should be no surprise to us. We should always be ready for it. That's worth thinking about for a moment. If Christ were to return tonight, would we be ready? Will he find us loving him and serving him? Or would we be ashamed? Would he find us doing things which displease him? Would he find us loving God's word? Would he find us a people of prayer? Would he find us living to serve him? Would he find us sharing the gospel with others? Would he find us joyfully committed to church life? Would he find us living for Christ in our families, reading the Bible together, praying together, serving God together? Verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. If we're not in darkness, Why do we live as if we were? Why do we go back into the darkness in our thought life, in the things we look at, in the way we use our time? But you are not in darkness. Verse 5 You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Children of the light are distinctive. We're set apart for God. Eleven miles off the east coast of Scotland in the North Sea stands the Bell Rock Lighthouse. It's endured the ferocious onslaught of the North Sea's violent storms since 1811. It rests upon less than one acre of solid rock. That small reef is covered by seawater for 20 hours every day. The builder of the lighthouse, Robert Stevenson, and his band of 65 men had only four hours each day to chink away the stone and gouge a foundation in the rock. As a result of this painstakingly patient work, the 115 foot tall lighthouse is still in use today. Someone has said in a similar way parents have a short period of time in which to build their children's lives to withstand the storms of life. Parents must take advantage of that window of opportunity and carve out a foundation for them on solid rock. Parents and pastors have a similar job to teach their listeners to be children of the light and of the day. Verse 6 Therefore we should not live as though we were of the night or the darkness. Let us not be like others who are asleep but let us be awake and sober. Verse 7 Sleeping and drunkenness are nighttime activities. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. We belong to the day and not to the night. I wonder, are we sometimes spiritually asleep? Are we lazing around spiritually? In a simple way to pray, written in 1535, Martin Luther advises his friend Peter to repeat and elaborate on each petition of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation is to be elaborated upon like this. Say, O dear Lord, Father and God, keep us fit and alert, eager and diligent in your word and service so that we do not become complacent, lazy and slothful, as though we had already achieved everything. In that way, the fearful devil cannot fall upon us, surprise us and deprive us of your precious word, or stir up strife and factions among us and lead us into other sin and disgrace, both spiritually and physically, but grant us wisdom and strength through your Spirit that we may valiantly resist him and gain the victory. Amen. That's a very challenging prayer, isn't it? Keep us fit and alert, eager and diligent in your word and service, so that we do not become complacent, lazy and slothful, as though we had already achieved everything. Does that strike a chord? How are we doing? Are we fit and alert spiritually? Are we eager and diligent? Or are we lazy and slothful? Is sleeping, when we should be awake, an issue for us? Maybe staying in bed? When we should be getting up to have a quiet time to read the Bible and pray? Or is alcohol an issue for us? Verse 7b And those who get drunk get drunk at night. Paul is making the point that we do not belong to the night, so we don't indulge in this kind of activity but maybe there are some listening to this sermon for whom alcohol is a problem. A recent article in The Independent said that more than 250,000 Britons admitted to drinking alcohol before midday during lockdown. Alcohol is a quick fix. I feel stressed. I'll have a drink. But this is the mindset of someone in the darkness, spiritually, someone who's in the night, spiritually. Verse 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. We should exercise faith, this means we look at life's challenges from God's perspective. God is sovereign. God is in control. And God loves us. Therefore, we have faith. We exercise faith. We put on faith as a breastplate, as defensive armour. We're defended from anxiety and stress. We're defended from unbelief as we put on faith like a breastplate. In the same way, we put on love also as a breastplate. Love defends us. Love for God. Love for others. This defends us from falling into the trap of loving other things in the place of God. Of making idols out of things which ought not to be worshipped. And we put on hope as a helmet. This defends our minds from depression. We have hope in Christ. We see that God is on the throne, God is in control. We see that Christ has loved us enough to die for us. We see that Christ has opened heaven for us. We see that God is working out His purpose in our lives. And therefore, we have hope. A study carried out by Harvard University recently found during the Covid pandemic frequent Bible readers rated themselves 33 points more hopeful than irregular scripture readers. This was in two surveys of more than a thousand people done six months apart. The study also found that people are more hopeful when they read scripture more frequently On a scale of one to a hundred, with a hundred being the most hopeful, those who report reading the Bible three or four times per year scored 42. People who read monthly scored 59, weekly 66, and multiple times per week 75. Bible reading along with other forms of community and discipleship, such as going to church or participating in a small group, appear to contribute to people's sense of well-being and happiness, said Tyler van der Wheeler, director of the Human Flourishing Programme at Harvard University. The churches have an important and profound role in contributing to people's well-being in general, and especially so during this time, he said. We have every reason to have hope. We have God's presence now, his purpose in our lives, and the hope of heaven to look forward to. Verse 9 For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we do need to know. We need to know that we've been saved from God's wrath. For we need to know that we've been saved from God's wrath, from God's righteous anger at our sin, from hell. We are not appointed to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are appointed to receive heaven, to receive the new creation, to be with God for all eternity. This is what we do need to know. Verse 10, He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. This takes us back to chapter 4, verse 15, where the living will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The dead will be at no disadvantage when Christ returns. All Christians, living and dead, will be together with Christ. Well, let's think about application. Paul gives us the application of these verses. Verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Build one another up, as in fact you are doing. It's so easy to be destructive with words. Words should be used positively. Who could you encourage with these words? Who could you ring up Who could you text? So are you fixated on dates and times when it comes to Christ's return? Don't be. Just be ready now. If Christ comes back tonight, be ready now. What we don't need to know, we don't need to know the date and time of Christ's return. What we do need to know, we do need to know that we've been saved from God's wrath for his love. Do you know that? If not, come to Christ tonight. And if you do know that you've been saved from God's wrath, Are you living ardently for Christ? Are we encouraging one another in these things? Well, let's do so all the more as we think about the certainty of Christ's return. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Christ is certain to return. Thank you that he will establish justice and put everything right and usher in your eternal kingdom. Thank you Father that we don't need to know about times and dates. So help us not to fixate on these things. Grant us rather to know that we have been saved from your wrath for your love. Grant each one of us to have faith in Christ so that we know that we've been saved. And then help us to encourage one another and to build one another up by speaking the truth to one another. Help us in these things, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.